Perspectives. I'm Katie Kempner. Perspectives is a series of inspiring conversations with remarkable working women who are leading busy and successful lives. And that is certainly, certainly my guest today, Gabby Reese. Gabby, welcome. Thank you so much, Katie, for having me. Thank you for taking the time. So so where are you? I know you uh, live in a few places, right? <laughs> yeah, right now I'm actually, uh, we're quarantining in California, in Malibu. Um, our, the other place that we're really fortunate we get to uh, live is my husband's home island of Kauai. But uh, for the quarantine, we decided to be here in, in uh, Malibu. That doesn't sound too shabby. I got engaged in Malibu. So oh. I, oh, we, we, I have nice uh, memories of it at this restaurant called Joffrey's. Is that is it still around? Of course. Oh, yeah. It's it's like right up the road from my house. And um, it's sort of a destination just, I think, because the view is so amazing. Yeah, we were supposed to be evidently. I didn't know this at the time. Um, he we were going to he was going to propose to me in a hot air balloon, but it was a very windy day oh. and he kept getting all these calls. <laughs> you know, I guess they were moving the hot air balloon site and then finally they had to give up. So that was uh, but it was a great plan B. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad at all. So so let's start. I just recently read your book, My My Foot is Too Big for the Glass Slipper, which was such an enjoyable and uh, inspirational oh. read. So w- one of the things you talked about is is how your happiness is tied directly into a sense of peace. And um, I think, you know, you wrote that book in 2013 and no one could ever imagine the the time we're living in right now with this pandemic how are you getting through it and are you finding some peace you know i'm i have to say like you know i the fact that i live in a place where there's nature around me and there's space you know i don't live in an apartment building and that my job is kind of strange and i'm in it, really an independent contractor when you look at it um i have the best case scenario and i think one thing i have try to practice some days I do it better than others is like, I don't need harsh reminders in life to, to try to recognize what's good about what's going on. So I guess, you know, that's the long way of saying that I, I try my best each day. Um, you know, you'll hear people say, Oh, it's something like practicing, a, you know, sort of a practice of gratitude, but for me, just being able to recognize the good fortune, um, uh, of whatever I, is in front of us, that really helps for me keep that homeostasis and um, and just noticing, right? Like noticing if I'm feeling anxious or or um, angry or just keep you know all of us instead of just saying either I'm fine or um, not checking in with oneself. I think that helps so that you can even just be honest and say wow, I'm, I'm having a tough go of it. And who's the right person to talk to at that time? You know, you have that one friend that's good for one thing or another. And um, so I think that's really helpful. I think that's a great point. Do you meditate? I don't really, I, I will do breathing practices. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have meditated and I think that, uh, and certainly science shows the incredible benefits. Um, I do, I know this sounds like uh I don't know. This is somebody like I'm in this space so much talking about self-care and breathing yeah. and calming down and all of this that actually I really um, the most effective thing for me is to create an active meditation. And so, for example, like if I'm in my vehicle, 
I will, and I'm by myself, Mm -hmm. um, I will take that time to kind of use that as my quiet time and say, Hey, how's the day going? And how's your own conduct? And how are you feeling? And how are the relationships? And so it's, it, so sometimes I think the opportunity to start your day in that quiet centered way is really helpful before you step into your world and, and at your day. But also do you have these little places that it's almost like bringing it back down to your baseline? Um, I think people, you know, new moms will do it in the shower. Like if you have a new baby Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden someone has the baby, you might take an extra five minutes uh, because it's a place you can be alone. Um, So, you know, just finding those little realistic ways to kind of, I say, back it away from the cliff, if you will. Yeah. Well, you're not a new mom, but you are definitely a mom and a very devoted and involved mother. And, you know, right. Finding the balance between work and home is incredibly difficult and some something I talk a lot to working women about but now in this current time you know in the time we're living in now it's it's basically impossible for moms uh, so do you have any advice for creating days where everything or maybe almost everything is getting accomplished I think it's impossible and you know what this is the thing I like it to to like my exercise life right I never once go into my exercise life exercise life thinking, oh, this is going to be like a massage or it's going to be easy. I'm very clear, like I'm going in there to work. Right. And I think what's happened is we set these unrealistic expectations about what we're supposed to be able to accomplish. And then we're always curious why we fall short instead of maybe entering it in a way that's like, okay, what, what do I really think I can get done today? In what way do I really think I can show up? And also it's, it's reading the terrain. So for example, if you have back-to-back Zoom, super important work stuff, heavy top loaded in one day, four or five hours of it, you already know going in, your dinner may not be the most exciting. The amount of time you have with your children might be compromised versus maybe it's a day work is a little lighter and I know I can be more present um, or available for my children or partner. So I think, first of all, it's really about creating um, fair expectations for, for ourselves and realistic. Um, and, and that is how I try to approach everything. And, and also just being really clear with everybody as much as I can, right? Like as clear and open with my children, like even down to like, I blew it or right now I need you to work with me. Like in seven minutes, I'm going to be doing a Zoom and I need to be prepared. Mm-hmm. And what you need is important to me. But right at this moment, given all, I'm going to have to do it after. Like just sort of trying to figure out systems. Um, but I don't think we're meant to get it right. I don't think um, that we ever have a day where it's it's like perfect. I feel like when everybody's safe and fed, like, and in their beds, it's like, okay, we're, we're all still alive. (laughs) Um, and that's really what, uh, parenting teenagers has taught me. I think it's different and you're hitting different marks when you have young children. I think you're right. So in that vein, my my, I have a son who is uh, 22 and my daughter's going to be 21, um, on, on Monday. And the other day I thought to myself, you know, I've, I can't, I can't believe I've gotten them to the point of adulthood and everybody's still relatively in one piece. Like that has to count for something, you know? 
Oh no, my husband has been a gem at teaching me this. Like we've gone through a couple of things, you know, as parents do. And you think, oh, I'm going to get to avoid all that. And then my friend said to me once, everybody gets their turn in the barrel and sometimes like the chamber, you know, and everybody, and sometimes you got to be there longer than you want. And, and, uh, you know, my husband Laird would sometimes say like, I have a 25 year old daughter and, uh, 16 and 12. And my 25 year old was pretty easy, but she went through a bumpy minute that like 19 when she was in college, it was weird and delayed. And I was thinking, Oh, college and her friends and the, you know, this, and my husband's like, just survive to 25, you know, like (laughs) just make it. And, and sometimes, you know, like there's something we're like, Oh, their education. And you know what, just, just make it. And we'll, we'll work on everything else. Yeah, you know, my husband was married before and and has kids that are older than my kids. And um, I thought in the beginning it'd be hard, but it actually was nice through their teen years because there's this person who's done it already and can be like, okay, this seems really bad in the moment. Yes. But it's going to work. <laughs> so. And that, I think that's really important. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's talk about your marriage. I mean, it, it's Everywhere, you know, when I was Googling around, looking at you, every, everywhere you are with your husband, you obviously have a very strong partnership. You talk about it in your book. Can you talk a little bit about your, your partnership and your marriage? Yeah, I mean, certainly. I think, you know, right off the bat is I would like to remind people that everybody does it their way and, and that maybe there's some fundamental things like, oh, the truth and, you know, learning and forgiveness and all these things that make up probably most marriages. Um, but I, I would say that, you know, I met Laird at 25 and, um, I'm 50. And, uh, so there's some growing up that goes on for both of us. Um, I, you know, I personally had like almost like a midlife at 30 and was like, yeah, I'm good. And I split for a minute and, and we, you know, kind of weathered that and Laird had his own, uh, you know, he had, he wrestled alcohol to the ground sort of 10 years into our relationship. And, you know, so there was some byproducts from that. And, and so I, I think first off, we have a very natural chemistry. I'll be honest. Like I just, I really enjoy and like, and I'm attracted and drawn to Laird. And, um, and I also think each of us is very clear and him even more than me about, uh, Laird said to me, and I've said this before, um, about a year and a half into our relationship, his mother unfortunately passed away. She had an aneurysm. And I remember like a year after something was going on and he said, you know, I had a mom and she died. And I think for me as a partner, as a woman, as somebody who's maternal, which can turn into bossy, it really liberated me from thinking I was going to change or mother Laird because I wanted a partner. I don't, I didn't need a son. And, um, and conversely, you know, Laird accepts me for who I am. And, and the, the other things I think that seem to be working, I'll just share what I think it seems to be working is. Um, I feel that the onus is on me to make myself happy. I'm, I'm actually not looking to Laird to satisfy me in this happiness way. I, it's something that I realize like I have to figure that out. And I know Laird does that as well. And, and to, you know, there's times when like one partner might even be thriving and another might be waffling, whether it's professionally or personally. And so then even learning how to celebrate their victory simultaneously to managing your own discomfort or dissatisfaction in your own life, because you're going to go through these times where you're some are up and some are down, you know, and, mm-hmm. and then, and then I think your values, I think we're really different. Like maybe from the outset, we look 
similar, like, oh, we're athletic and, you know, we come from islands. But I think we're actually very, very different in how we process emotions and things. However, I think our core values, our relationship with money and how we, what we feel is important and, you know, even um, a moral compass and things like that. I think that is kind of lined up. Um, and then, and then maybe finally, it's just being grateful for your partner. I think it's hard to find somebody that you can actually kind of navigate it with. And so as time goes on, if we can keep reminding ourselves, what is special about this person that I am very close to in proximity and emotionally, because so that makes it sometimes you can get lazy or comfortable or forget, um, and receive them in this fresh way. I think as you go through time and you have friends that they aren't able to make their relationships don't work out or they can't find someone they really like, you actually, it becomes precious in a different way. Um, and I think that's been helpful, but, and hopefully each person independently is saying, Hey, I'll bring my best because it's not my job to police him and, and certainly not the other way. And, and, um, and just see, you know, like people have said to me, like, are you going to be together in 10 years? I'm like, I don't know. I will wake up tomorrow and do my very, very best. And, um, and that's how I look at it. I think that's great. Of, of all, everything that you said makes so much sense. And the thing I think that resonates the most with me is you really can't look to another person to be happy for your happiness. You know, it, you need to be happy yourself and bring your full per, you know, your full person trying to be the best you can be into your, your relationship. I, I've learned that on marriage number two, the first time I didn't get it get it quite right. But so let me just ask you, and I say this a little bit tongue in cheek. Yeah. You know, I was talking with a bunch of my friends recently. We were having a little Zoom cocktail. Uh -huh. um, how, how is this quarantine, not quarantine, but this like sheltering, you know, together yeah. go, going? I mean, it's a lot of together time. Oh my God. I hide in my <laughs> office all the time. What are you crazy? Like, and I can hear him looking for me, you know? And the, the joke is too, I do believe the longer you're in a relationship, and, you know, like you, both of you sort of get a little older, it sort of does feel like it is the male in pursuit of the female more. Like, I don't know if she <laughs> becomes independent because you're like, hey, I was on kid duty really intensely. And now the kids are sort of a little older. And, you know, and like it, it's tr it's it's not easy. Um, I know how to take my space. And by the way, I was an only child. So I was like, who are all these people in my house? And it's like, oh, it's my family. Um so I've learned to tuck in and, um, but yeah, certainly I'm like, oh, I wish Laird would go on a surf trip for him. And sometimes even for me, <laughs> right? No, I hear you. So you mentioned being 50, you, you and I have that in common. We both turned 50 this year. And I have to say when I thought of what 50 would be like when I was younger, this isn't it. It doesn't feel like 50. It just feels, I don't, how does it feel to you? Or is this, this might be a ridiculous question, but I, a lot of people I know have been turning 50 and it's not what they expected. I actually was weirder about 40 than 50. I don't know what 40 signified to me, huh. but I remember turning 40 and thinking it impacted me very quietly in a different way than 50. I think, you know, Laird is, a, is six years older than I am and, and he is a great example. And we actually had a friend who passed away a bit ago, but till he was about 80, he lived till he was 83. And he was a really incredible example of, you know, experiencing life 
and not putting and not Larry calls it the numbers game. Like, oh, I can do this or I can't do this because I'm this age or that age or whatever. It's like, hey, I never want to fight who I am and where I am. You know, the idea of like sort of being appropriate, like I have three daughters, I'm not wearing Daisy Dukes. I mean, I probably didn't really in my 20s, but like sort of like enjoying certain things, but also staying curious. And and I, I, I always say women, it's really important and you could be 90 or 100, but that you keep the girl inside because because life is hard and being a mom and being a wife and being in business and trying to maybe navigate one, two or all three of those that it can really beat you up. And so how do you keep that girl alive that's curious and you know your eyes are shiny and you're you're interested and and um and you don't talk about your age all the time and things like that. So I I'm very grateful um to be 50. I'm healthy and I get to train really hard and I have a healthy family. Um the only thing some once in a blue moon, I think about the amount of time ahead of me and you go, okay, well I have today and I'll make the most of it and I'll love everyone as much as I can. And if there's stuff I want to try, whether it's in business or personally, I will, because then I know at least that I won't be, I won't have those regrets of like, Oh, you know, I wasted that time. Yeah. Do you feel when you look in the mirror, do you feel like you look how you expect you? I mean, you look fantastic, but do you do you feel like you look older? Do you notice that? I notice I look a little different lately, I think. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I'm an older version of myself, um, but I have a tendency because I am, you know, coming also with from this physical background that now weirdly um, with my husband, I'm you know, in my feminine, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, occasionally. Um, but I have actually a tendency now to get almost more into my masculine in that way that I judge myself. And so when I look in the mirror, some days I'm like, Oh, okay, that's different. Or your neck or, you know, stuff's happening. Mm. Um, and then it's like, yeah, okay. And that's not the only thing I bring to the table. So I'm not going to beat myself up because that's what I always tell young women is like, Hey, listen, it's currency. It's fine. It's nature. It has to do with biology and attracting a mate and all of that. And it's great. It is. However, like have a skill, be a boss, own something, because then all you are doing is becoming, you know, more powerful. So as your youth is sort of moving in one direction, this other part of you is moving in this other direction, opposite. And the value that you bring your experience um, all of these things. And so I think we start to learn like, oh, I'm transitioning and I bring new and different and additional things. That's a great way to think about it. I mean, it, and you have had such an incredible career and such great experience so far, athlete, author, volleyball sensation, entrepreneur, fitness pro- professional, podcast host, is there one thread through all of that that helps you decide what you're going to focus on? Yeah, I think, you know, I've always been a person, I've said this a lot, you know, fear is a great motivator. And a lot of my career, especially in the beginning, was fear-based. It was like, I have to make this happen. No one's going to help me. And I didn't have anything to lean back on. And so I was like, what are my big cards? What do I have going for me that I can do the hustle, if you will? And one of them was my physical size, you know, six foot three. 
And, and then, and then it was also like, yeah, but what am I interested in? And so, for example, when I was playing uh, professional volleyball early in my career, I understood that the platform was very small. And so I really like to talk to people and learn from people. And so that's how I got into television and interviewing people. So it was sort of like being clear about who I am, that I'm genuinely interested, that I could show up for even when it's hard, because we all know, especially when you talk about business and entrepreneurship, it's always, there's going to be elements. It's just hard. So if you believe in it, it, it's like you can do it. Um, and then, and also not trying to be who I was. I think as I move forward in my life, I always think, where am I today? Where would I like to be in six months, a year, three and five? And what is that? What does that look like? So also not to be caught by surprise. Mm -hmm. I think it's always important to be doing both, to be in the now, but then to be looking just a little forward enough to go, what, where else do I think I would like to aim so that, cause it takes time to get there. And so I think it's, and it's like trying to have everything reflect who you are in this moment, not who you have been, even if that's been successful, that's, that's done. That's over move on like something else. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that's been really helpful. And I've been really fortunate that I typically did not do jobs that were, I never did things that were disingenuine. Mm -hmm. Well, now one of the things, one of the jobs that you have is your podcast, uh, which is part of Dear Media, The Gabby Reese Show. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, what I, you know, in the, in the quick summary is sort of like, I would like to take all of these people who are probably pretty good at some, in some way, you know, I had a neuroscientist on, or I had uh, Anya Fernald who created Belcampo, just people who are doing different things. But what I'm interested in is, I'm interested in learning what they're doing, but what I, what I want to know is how are they using that very exaggerated high performance area and what are the lessons they learned there that helped them function better as a human organism? Because what I learned personally was it's great. I could hit a volleyball pretty well and okay, take pictures or do whatever. But when I started to understand about the nuance and how tricky being in a relationship is or being a parent and how could I show up for that? because that I couldn't phone in and some of the other stuff you could kind of fiddle around with and just have those open dialogues it, so that people understand, Hey, let's aspire. Let's try to be our best. Let's be in pursuit of excellence, but also let's have the comfort to say it's hard. I don't know how to do it. I felt like I failed today. Um, I'm disappointed. I even felt that as a mother, like I know plenty of mothers who don't know it's okay to say like, sometimes I feel disappointed. And because I thought it was going to be one thing and now it's another, but I'm learning. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted the podcast to create a safe space where there was sort of like a real dialogue, but yet maybe there could be learning or a tool that someone goes, oh, you know what? I could try that or check that out because then you're just opening up sort of like your community. Yep. In a, a slightly different way, but with this hoping for results in the same vein is why I've been doing this for so long, because I, I feel that for working women um, who are often mothers, but not always, who are trying to balance, and I know a lot of people hate that word, but organize if you hate the word balance, yeah. their lives, you know, on a day by day basis, by listening to people, women like you, who have figured out your own version of, of how to create your life, a life that works for you it's inspiring and and helpful. So um, you, 
in in your show, are there any upcoming guests that you're especially excited about talking with? Um, actually, I have a show up this week with a woman who uh, works uh, at Comedy Central. She's very funny and very bright, um, Tara Schuster. She actually does not have a family yet. But the conversation that I really appreciated was she talked about having maybe a tough childhood and fighting depression and fighting a lot of things that I think a lot of people fight and figuring out at 25, like, okay, you're not going to filter that with alcohol or other. So I'm going to start over. So she talks about like reparenting and just sort of getting the tools to not never feel the way to feel badly but getting tools to say, oh, okay, I know how to deal with this. Because I just think that translates to, to life. And, um, and I, ha- I do have a, a great show uh, with a neuroscientist coming up, uh, Andrew Huberman, who talks about, for example, like you'll hear people, I don't know if you've ever heard people talk about like adrenal fatigue. They'll go like, oh, this person, they're taxing their adrenals. He's like, it's completely a myth. Like we have enough adrenal support for two lifetimes. And then actually everyone's always like stress is bad. Stress is bad, but it's necessary. Mm -hmm. And it also can kind of bolt your immune, you know, bolster your immune system. So for me, I'm very interested in science and performance, Mm -hmm. but also trying to get people to, um, you know, get the, it's like when they say mind, body and spirit, I mean, we are all connected. And I think a lot of times we separate it and, um, you know, Katie, I'll, I'll say one one really quick thing. Yeah. You said the word balance. And I, I learned something in the last few months. I was reading actually a book weirdly about Jeff Bezos. And they were talking about this flywheel concept that a lot of people use in business versus like the buckets. Like I always looked at everything as buckets, like, mm-hmm. oh, my family bucket, my self-care bucket, relationship bucket, work bucket. Okay. Versus he, they talk about in a professional setting, and this is not uncommon, where it's the flywheel, right? So what they're saying is like, Hey, if I'm at work and I I'm feeling happy at my work, even if it's hard and it's long hours, I bring that happiness home. And then I add to that and I'm a better partner and I'm more present for my children. And so it's not so divided split right down the middle or Mm -hmm. in the percentages or even, but that everything, how do we find that way to have everything feed everything to get that flywheel spinning in that positive way? That's interesting. And I also think part of that, what you say about, you know, bringing it with you and um, part of it also is not trying to expect, and I guess this really goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier on, not trying to expect to be able to, in one day, do it all. You know, if you're, if you have a day, as you were talking about, like with tons of Zoom calls, which by the way, Zoom fatigue, you know, (laughs) I can't, I, all this Zoom is too much. But if you have a day like that, and then you're not going to be able to to perform in another way as, you know, you mentioned earlier, making like a better dinner or something, yeah. that's okay because the next day you switch it around. Yeah. And so I don't think there's anything, I think balance, you know, a, a lot of times women hate the word balance, but I actually love it because I don't think it's really achievable exactly, but it's something that you just know. I sort of, this is what's important to me when it's important to me. I mean, what do you think? Yes, I I think you're right. I think what it is, is it's all, they're just like, they're little compasses. Yeah. And you think, oh, my husband and I haven't been alone or intimate or just had like, like a conversation as two human beings or lovers. We've been talking about business because we work together. And we've been talking about the business of family. 
So your compass lets you know, like when you talk about that balance or, you know what, I have one kid that I just haven't like really checked in with for a few days. Let me go up in her room right now and like, see if she'll let me. So I think they're just used as little cues to whisper to us like, Hey, you know what, just keep it, you know, keep tabs over here. And, and the other thing I've, I've learned is that our kids want us to listen, right? I, I personally never really like was like, I love playing, you know, all these imaginary games and all these things. I have friends that are genius at it. But I thought, how can I show up in my kid's life in, in who I really am? And the thing I've learned, especially as your kids get older, if even if it's for five minutes that you're interacting with them, that they know you are genuinely listening. Maybe you're not trying to fix it or change their mind about something. You're just listening. I think when you're with your partner, if when they see you and you feel it authentically, but even, you know, that your smile, even if like work is, you're crazy, just for that one, you know, interaction that they, when they look at you and you look at them and they go, they love me, you know, they bring this positive smiling instead of like, all the time. Right. Yeah. So I just think that we're always kind of using it to, um, to just notice. I think you're right. Well, you've given us a lot of things to think about and some great advice. And I, I just like to end by asking you, is there one piece of advice that has really helped you through your life and your career that you can share with us? Sometimes, and it's because your audience is very female, I will remind uh, everyone that having to say uncomfortable things to people, whether it's in business or personally, um, you can do that directly and in love. And it might even be really uncomfortable for the other person and they might not even like it or you, um, but it's necessary. Right. And so that doesn't make us a bad person. And I think because we, as women typically, right, we're trying to be nice and good and all of these things that are important. But if we're going to play in all these roles, and even just being a parent, you got to be the bad guy sometimes. It's like, hey, do it in love, do it clearly. And if they don't like it or it makes them uncomfortable and you know, you're not popular, that's okay. That's a great piece of advice. Gabby, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. It was really a pleasure. Thank you, Katie, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Take care. Stay safe. Aloha. 